This is Glenn Crooks on Frame. New York City FC head coach Ronnie Dyla and sporting director David Lee were both named to their current positions following the departures of Dome Teron and Claudio Reyna after the 2019 season. That partnership has played a big role in the club's first appearance in the Eastern Conference Finals of the MLS playoffs coming up this Sunday at Subaru Park in Philadelphia. I spoke with David Lee the morning of November the 30th. Later that day, the club made history when they advanced past the Supporters' Shield champions, the New England Revolution. Lee talks about the delay in attacking reinforcements arriving, the 18-year-old Tylus Magno, and the reason Santi Rodriguez may have adjusted more quickly than others. Also, the desire to keep Maxi Morales, the future for Tati Castellanos, and how potential negotiations with other clubs might proceed. The payday on the back of former homegrown Joe Scally and the impact of the MLS Reserve League. Well, Dave, we're sitting in the hotel getting ready for the, the match tonight at Gillette Stadium. I'm wondering uh, what's going through your mind here as the morning progresses. You know, you're part of the creator of this team. Uh, it's a team that's a franchise that hasn't been able to take that next step. So what's on your mind? I think the main main feeling is excitement. I think, as always, there's a good, good amount of nerves, but I think it's the right sort of nerves that we play, prepare all year to come to these moments and want to play in big games, and this is a big game. Um, we know we're playing a really, really good opponent. Opponent. Um, we've got some good, good games against them all season, um, and I think we're really just excited. I think the team's in a really good vein of form right now, and lots of players playing really, really well. And so, I think the focus has been trying to get the performance right. I think if we perform at our best, I think we have every chance of, of advancing. We know we're playing a very good team. They broke the MLS points record, so they're a very, very good team, and they've proven that across the whole season. So we know it's going to be a difficult game, but I think everyone's excited, and hopefully we can put a good performance on. I think if we do that, we, we give ourselves every chance to, to, to win. Here at Gillette Stadium, at least over the past two years, you know, the matches have been well played. Uh, the last one was crazy. Uh, Santi scoring, then getting injured. And then Morales with a red card early in the second half. So it's that was kind of hard to judge. But overall, last two years, Gillette has not been hasn't had this mystique anyway. Doesn't seem. Yeah, it's a difficult place to play. The yeah. turf, the environment, the stadium. Um, Bruce has done a fantastic job the last couple of years with the team. Um, they've got difference makers up front that can cause problems, and they're really solid and hardworking defensively. And they've got a fantastic goalkeeper as well that, that has kept them in a lot of games and made some fantastic saves for them. So um, I think they're really, really well balanced. I think they've shown that to get 73 points is just an un unbelievable achievement and shows the level of consistency they've got. Um, but we feel really good in our group. We have done uh, for a number of years, but we feel really good about the group we've got. There's a really good spirit and togetherness amongst the team and the group. And uh, we think that stands us in really good stead to hopefully go and put a performance in that, that shows, us, shows us off in the best light we possibly can. Um, and we'll see where that takes us. When we last spoke about the team, uh, one of the primary objectives was to to get more attacking presence. And uh, and since that conversation, Santi Rodriguez, uh, also Tylus Magno, and uh, Tiago Andrade. So uh, do you feel like you you accomplished what you set out to do? We've seen those three. They've Santi Rodriguez obviously has a place at the 11 and has been the most consistent. But uh, what's, your, what's your judgment on those three as they've come in and contributed? Yeah, I think it's difficult for any player um, no matter the age or the country you're coming from to go through the adjustment of new country new place to live uh, new language oftentimes um, 
And so I think the adaptation time for all of them has been a little different. I think we've seen good moments from all of them, frankly. And I think, as with most young players, it's about turning good moments into consistency. Um, if you look at Tati and what Tati's been able to do, he was always a very talented boy um, when we first signed him. And now he's managed to turn that with fantastic work number one from him but also from all the coaching staff to turn that into a level of consistency where he's a, a golden boot winner and I think when we when we talk about it and we sign young players we understand there's going to be some inconsistencies um, but I think we see the talent in all of them um, and I think overall we've been happy with, with their adjustment and I'm quite confident that we'll see an even bigger step from all of them next season when they get into a real preseason and, and uh, you know familiar with the league, familiar with New York City, familiar with MLS um, and and, and excited, you know, as you said, when we spoke, we, we knew we needed more players up front and that was always the target. Um, I think we knew where we wanted to add players and I think we're pleased with the level of talent that we were able to do, uh, to bring in. Um, and I think they're, they're going to be big players for us now and in the future. And, you know, you look on the bench against Atlanta the game was going a different way and you look at the options that Ronnie had on the bench to, to try and turn a turn a draw into a win or a, or a defeat into to get tied to go to go back into a win it's really quite exciting for a coach I think to have those options on the bench to be able to turn turn the game if they needed to and early in the year those options really weren't there I mean uh, all due credit to Tony Rocha but he went in as an attacking midfielder or a striker in one game because it was just there, there weren't those options yeah, I, I I think we've we've had some challenges throughout throughout the year. Um, we obviously had a much slower schedule in, in the beginning part of the year, and we knew that. And so, only playing once per week. Um, obviously, if you have a smaller squad as we did at the time, with waiting for players to arrive, and then you get a couple of injuries, it always adds some some stress and some some pressure to the to the roster. But um, you know, I think when you're only playing once per week it gives you a little bit of a luxury to be a little bit calmer about the number of players that you need. Now the second half of the season has been playing such a crazy schedule that the depth that we've had, I think, has been extremely well tested, probably more so than we imagined with red cards and injuries that we've suffered. Um, But I think it was very necessary at that that point in the season. And and we looked at the schedule and we knew kind of what was coming and when the window was closing. And, um, you know, obviously we wanted to get the players in as early as we could, but we knew to wait for the talent that we really wanted we thought we could, could, could kind of get by uh, with the roster that we had. And, and I think we did that. And, you know, there were a lot of players that stepped up in the beginning part of the season. Um, Andres was fantastic, you know, c- coming into the team and made a real big difference to us. Um, and there were, you know, Tati obviously started the season fantastically well. Um, and then obviously I think the new players just added a, added a freshness and a boost to the squad at a time when they needed it. Tylus Magno, uh, if I could ask you about him a little bit. So we've seen the kind of contract he has. Young players signed him through 2026. And so what was it that um, attracted you so much to him? We know early on, maybe not the kind of influence. Maybe he was suffering a little bit from a knee issue and uh, seems to be in full health. We'll talk about his progress a little bit, but what your expectation was initially. Yeah, we think Tylus is a fantastic talent. Um, I think he has the potential to play in any league in the world um, if now the job is to try and help him fulfill his potential um, you know you don't get rumoured with and linked to the clubs that he was linked to as a, as a young as a young boy without the talent um, that he has um, and so you know when he came in we, we knew he was coming off uh, off an injury um, came in obviously uh, I think came off the bench in, in the LA game LAFC for, for his debut um, and then you know and then we realised actually probably needed to, to do a little bit more rehab work on his on his knee and so um, I think we've started to see some really 
bright moments from him in the last five, six games. Whenever he's come off the bench, I think he's made a difference. He made a, diff- a big difference in the Atlanta game when we needed it. You know, we were 1-0 down and obviously Goody's free kick, but was won by Tales. And, and outside of that, it, it was a really important, really important. He just added a, a freshness and a spark and was, was dribbling at guys and, and making a difference to help us kind of turn that game. And, and ultimately, I think that we know that goal was so important for us in, in turning the, the last five games the way the way that it ended to get us the home game against Atlanta. Um, hey, sometimes we forget the moments before the big goal, and Magno drawing that that uh, foul was obviously huge. Yeah, ma- massive. And so I think we've seen we've seen moments, uh, and like I say, with young players, usually that that's what they have is moments, and it's trying to now turn those moments into consistency. And and I think. Um, the other thing that we've really found is that in Brazil, they play so many games, play 60, 70 games um, plus in a, in a calendar year sometimes. Um, and so that's a completely different way to prepare than training for seven days to build up for games. Um, and so getting used to the whole idea of a new country, new league, new adaptation, new language, all those things on top of your football world has changed. Um, so it's gone from you know essentially playing, recovering, one day preparing, playing, to now yeah. having a, a, a much more what we would term normal kind of preparation time and going through that work where there's a lot more training time and how do you manage your freshness, your energy, your um, load to make sure you're fresh for the games when, when that's not something you've really ever been used to before. Um, and, and the preparation as well, like whether it's watching film or the different things you need to do in training. So he, he wasn't really exposed to anything uh, so, so quite think, like that. I think the preparation was, was, was similar, right? So the preparation, but the, the actual physical work is just so different when you're preparing for a game because all you're in is just a recovery and prepare yeah. mode versus you know managing a load through a week on a Tuesday, you might train really heavy to go Wednesday, really light. And, and, you know, until you do that, it's difficult to know the impact it's going to have on, on your body. And I think what we've seen now is uh, in the last part of the season is a Tales um, and a Tiago who are, who are fresher, who understand what the, what the training looks like, um, even with all the games that we've had in, in the last part of the season. Um, and that allows them to, to show more on, on the pitch. Um, of course, we probably expected him to play a bit more than he has. I'm sure he does too. Um, but this is a really common thing with new players to this league. Uh, going back to almost all of the players. There are very few examples that I can think of uh, off the top of my head of players who have come in in year one and immediately um, added a significant amount of value to the team and played at their very, very top level, even up to DPs that we've signed or really important players. We've always seen kind of a progression in year two, year three. And, um, you know, and especially when you think about an 18, 19, 20 year old and what progression they will naturally go through as they age, I think it's really exciting for the future of, of Tales and, and for NYCFC. What has separated Santi Rodriguez from them in terms of he's getting the playing time, he's getting the starts, uh, maybe a different kind of player who might fit in a little bit better, but he seems to have made the adjustment a little bit more quick. I, I think every every player is slightly different, um, and you can never quite predict exactly how fast that transition pro process will go. Santi has 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 made a difference and, and probably adjusted the, the quickest of the group. Um, it is probably helpful that there's a group of Spanish-speaking South American players in the group already that, that allowed him to kind of gravitate towards and, and you know, get integrated in that way. Um, the Brazilians were the first Brazilians we had other than Eber, and so it's, it's slightly different. And so I think they're going through um, just a slightly different transition process. Um, I think Santi's 
made a really big impact defensively he's really really good we know it's really important for Ronnie and how he wants to to build into performances is to make sure that our defensive um, performance is is good to start with and I think Santi Santi give, gives us that from that left wing position where he's you know in the game um, against Philly when we had you know we had 10 men and we essentially played a 4-3-2 or 4-3-1-1 um, and you had Jesus and Santi on, on either sides of the midfield three that were doing so much running and so much work to cover spaces um, I think he, he, he's, you know, he's, he's really adapted to that and then we've seen moments of his real quality here in New England earlier in the season and Toronto uh, where he's you know, around the goal he's really dynamic and make, can make a difference and so um, I don't think there's anything specific to point to I think there's just a um, reality that players adapt at different speeds and our job is to try and push them to make that happen at the quickest that they can um, and then that, we know that's going to help their performances on the pitch. Is it your hope uh, uh, acquiring him that uh, ultimately he might be the guy that replaces Maxi Morales as the 10 or is does that search continue and then maybe we get to Maxi and we've heard that there's discussions about another year? Um, I, I really don't like using the word replace uh, when we're talking about players because I think it can be a difficult for a player to replace somebody who's been so, such an important player as Maxi has. Um, and I don't think it's fair to, to Maxi or, or any player that, that might be leaving either. Um, I think Santi can play as a 10. I think he can play out wide. Um, he's versatile to play any of the three front spots and that was the reason why we brought him here um, because I think he adds adds a lot of value in multiple positions and I think his qualities mean he can play almost as effectively as a 10 um, as he can as a, as a winger coming inside um, particularly from the left onto his right foot um, so you know I, I think the idea behind bringing him here was not as a potential replacement for Maxi, it was that it was a very, very good player who we really wanted to add to the squad and um, and would add value to our team, um, and that allows us then to, there's some flexibility to think about how we build the squad in, in future years as well. Maxi seems to have gotten into another gear here in the uh, second half of the season, so you're the guy who knows and talks about it. Is uh, is there a strong possibility he'll be back? I'd like to think so. Um, I think we've been talking to him for some time. Um, I think. Our intention is we'd like to keep him. Um, the starting point of those conversations, I think, is always really helpful when Maxi says he'd like to stay and we'd like to keep him. That's a good start. Now, there's a lot of work that then goes into making that a reality for both yeah. sides that, that uh, every side is comfortable and happy with. Um, I, I love Maxi. I think he's he is still so important to our team and the way we play. Um, He's a difference maker around the goal. Um, he helps us be calm in possession. He's the one who solves problems for us in build-up. Um, and just, you know, I know I've heard Ronnie describe him as the brains of the team, and it's just such an accurate description of, of who he is and what he gives to us. And so um, if we can find a solution for him to stay uh, next year, I'd certainly like that to happen. But there's a lot more work to do to, to be able to get there. Tati would be happy. Uh, seven of his goals have come from uh, Maxi's services. So he, he would enjoy it. I, I think... I think um, I was never blessed as an attacking player, so I can't probably comment too much. But um, I think any player would love to play with Maxi. Um, the, the way he manages the game and how good he is on the ball um, and in possession and, and what he gives to us around the goal and, and has done for years, frankly, um, was has been so critical to our game and the way we play. And so um, it's been a really good year for him. A uh, really, really good year. I think obviously Tati's had an unbelievable year. Um, but I think Maxi helps all of those around him uh, play better and um, and is a is a big part of our team. Uh, New York City FC sporting director David Lee with us. So talking about Tati Castellanos, he might be the next guy that has 
considerations outside of uh, MLS. I'm wondering, what's the process, let's just pick Europe, uh, of a European club showing interest, and then it's yourself, and then it's MLS officials, and I haven't always been able to grasp onto how that whole thing might work, uh, because ultimately MLS has to approve the deal. Is that still the case? Yeah, so all players are contracted to MLS centrally and not to, to clubs. So technically, yes. However, I think what you are seeing is um, MLS allowing clubs um, more latitude than maybe they did in, in the very distant past when MLS probably had more control over these sale type situations for clubs to go to MLS and say, you know, this is the deal, this is what we're looking to do. Um, so far, we've not had them say no or, or, or be involved in that process, really. We've just come to them when, when Jack leaves. It's a case of, okay, we, we've agreed this deal, we've agreed this fee, and, and that, right. that then goes through the process. But, um, you know, it's... It's part of that process. They have to make sure that it's legal within the budgeting terms of the league. Is that... Yeah, so all of them, ultimately, the, the player is contracted to MLS. So technically the selling party is MLS. It's not New York City um, or any of the other clubs. So they're, they're involved because they, they're contracted um, employees of, of MLS um, and it's a critical part of the process and involving them and talking them through. But they are and always have been incredibly supportive of what we want to do as a club. Um, and if we think the, the situation is right, then we go to them with a, with a proposal that we, that we ultimately negotiate and get to the point where we are happy with it and then we take it to MLS. So the process is, I would say, 99 or 95, somewhere in that range, managed by the club um, and MLS only get involved right at the, at the tail end of the process and, and particularly helpful on, on the legal side or the drafting of documents and, and going through that that stage which can be lengthy when you're dealing with a, a transfer of, of those types of magnitudes um, but that that's normally their involvement so most of the work is the vast vast majority of the work is done in, in negotiating directly between clubs um, to get to a point that the club is happy with a potential fee for a player. The kind of season Castellanos has had uh, without giving an exact figure has it doubled his value, tripled his value? I mean, what what kind of uh, what kind of role does that play now in perhaps uh, somebody coming here in the off season and having a chat with you all? So, a player's worth whatever anyone is willing to pay. That's the reality. Okay. And and so. Well, I'm so curious <laughs> as to how you come up with that figure. How do you know? How do you decide? So that we it's... we we are very fortunate at City Football Group. We have a lot of. People have been through many, many transactions of players over their vast careers in football that I can lean on for help and support. We've got benchmarks of similar types of players that have moved right. me from other leagues to other clubs or from within MLS to other clubs. Um, and you try and piece all of that together along, alongside ultimately what we think of the player and come to a, a number that we think is right. Um, I think it's very clear his value has increased dramatically from, from where it was at the beginning of the season, um, given his performances and, and the level that he's shown he's capable to play at that we always believed he, he was able to do and he's, he's now shown that so we're obviously confident his value has gone up it's difficult to say what number that will will get to because if you have two clubs that really really want him and are desperate to sign him then it's a very different situation right. than if you're just dealing with one and and the reality is like I say he will be worth whatever someone is willing to pay um, and so you know we're, we're going to be working with him with his representatives with uh, my colleagues in, in Manchester to go through that process over over the coming weeks um, to see if there are clubs that, that are interested. Um, January is a difficult market for European clubs, particularly still off the back of COVID, that the transfer market is not back to where it was. Right. So let's see what the market brings and uh, we'll be ready to, to adapt and react, whatever comes our way. When those uh, d 
discussions uh, begin, um, how much does the, the player get involved? And what I mean by that is, you know, it, it seems like it might be a slippery slope where you've got to figure, and that's what you're going to be stuck on if we don't get this. But the player might see it as, well, this is my opportunity that we've talked about since I've been here that maybe this is going to help me prosper. So that, that seems uh, to be one of your maybe trickier activities as uh, the leader of this club. Yes, tricky job. <laughs> it is a tricky job. Um, I think the starting point that we would generally, there are probably two angles that we would come at this. One, for any deal to happen, it has to make sense for us as a football club. There's no point in selling our best assets for, for less than we believe they're worth. Um, it hurts you short term, it hurts you long term, it sets a market for what your players are going to be worth. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, we want to work hand in hand with our players because ultimately if we work with our players um, and talk to them and have them involved and explain our reasons, um, even if they may not always agree with them, but we can be honest and, and rational about why we've come to a certain price, um, hopefully they see that. But the reality is that moving and transferring players is a core part of our my job, a core part of my role here, um, and will be for, for the foreseeable future. And so um, the more we can participate in the market, the more we can work with our players, it's going to allow me to go to the next Tati Castellanos and talk about how what a great job Ronnie's done, how good the player has been, how good the team has been to support him, how good New York City, how good the fans have been to help grow uh, that player into wherever he might move to next um, and that will help us in, in the long run when we go back to market um, I think it's a really dangerous and, and tricky position to be in to hold players um, because eventually it starts to turn um, where players then don't want to come if they don't see there being an exit point particularly when you're talking about attracting some of the best young talents in the world and it's a it's right a, it's so that's the part they 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 want to be able to come here knowing that yep. look when the time's right and, and, it, and it's a difficult balance, and it is a difficult balance because, you know, the, the, as I said at the beginning, the club has to feel that the deal is right sure. for us, otherwise it just doesn't happen. Um, and sometimes those are really difficult to manage for me, um, and the player too. They're not easy situations to go through. Um, I think we've earned enough goodwill with our players that they know that we will work with them, and if a really good opportunity for the club comes along, that we will have to look at it. James Sands believes that he's obviously when he signed that's exactly what he said is and, there's and a great understanding here and Tati signed for five years too right yeah, so Tati right. signed for five years as well and um, and so you know that was a key part of all, all of those discussions they understand and know that there's a business reality there's a club reality for, for them moving on but they also know that we'll, we'll try to work with them and we're not going to hold them here it would be fantastic for me to say great Tati you're going to be in our team next year no matter what comes comes our way that, that's just an irresponsible and I think if I told him that there's no way he signs <laughs> right and yeah, yeah. and so what they what we always have to do is just have an understanding and, a, and an agreement mutual agreement with everybody that will work together now it doesn't always mean we agree it doesn't always mean we see eye to eye um, and those are difficult moments in the season difficult moments for players for agents for me and for the club but we work through them we work through them and I think once everyone knows that the we do gen, genuinely want the same we want to be able to help Tati reach the best point in his possible in his career, James the same, um, then hopefully we're able to work through some of those situations when they, when they do arise, and they do, that does happen. 
I don't know what your expectation was when Joe Scally made his way over to Gladbach and the, the deal you made there, but the uh, whatever uh, incentive clause or whatever you put into the uh, the transfer deal, uh, it's uh, I know it's been profitable. Brad Sims has said so. Probably a little sooner than we expected. I think it's an unusual deal and likely will be an unusual deal in MLS or anywhere really around the world for a, for a player to be sold before he's made his first team debut is, is really unusual. Um, however, Joe had a very big profile at youth, youth national team level. He was scouted heavily at under 15, under 17 youth national teams. Um, and, you know, is the example of a, of a player who we sign because we see a lot of future and a lot of talent. Um, a, firstly, because we think he could play in our first team and we believe that. Um, and then it just so happened that, you know, the team, teams that were interested in him at the under 15, under 17 level were still interested. And that just became a conversation of, is there a way to make this right for everyone? Probably we don't, th you know, how do we make come up with a number that makes sense for a club who's buying a player who hasn't played? For us to sell a player who we think has big future potential and could be worth a lot of money um, once he starts playing in our first team and try and balance those things together. Um, and that was a, a lot of process, a lot of back and forth. Munch and Gladbach were fantastic to work with throughout the, throughout the whole, whole experience. They, they understood, they understood our, our perspectives. Um, we understood theirs. Um, and you just tried to come up with a, a situation where both parties can feel comfortable with a the deal they did. No, I don't think any deal ends where everyone's happy because normally you paid a little bit more or you've got received a little less than you would like, but you feel comfortable with it, with where the deal ended. And um, Joe's, Joe's done unbelievably well in Germany. We're immensely proud to see him, how well he's doing and, and playing and getting called into the national team is a is a fantastic moment and, and just deserved for, for how, how good he is as a person and player and, and a really great example for all of our future academy talents of, of what is possible at, at, our, at our club and, and how we will help you to reach your potential. Now he's an example of, of a young man who uh, got an opportunity uh, without first team uh, game experience. Uh, but then there are homegrowns like like a Justin Hack, and I think that brings me next to the this, the reserve team with that, which MLS uh, they've created this league. How vital is that going to be? I think we talked years ago when we were trying to uh, Hack was the first one of signs. Like, well, what do, where's this guy going to get minutes? And Patrick was going crazy, you know, trying to to figure out how some of these young players were going to get minutes. So. Will, will it serve that purpose uh, of, uh, of development for, for players like a hack? Luis Barraza, who you've signed, you assume if Sean Johnson, I know it's good, Ronnie said it's going to be a competition next year. All right, understood. But if you had to bet, you're going to figure that Barraza's uh, the backup again or the number two. I think the second lower division league, uh, as it's called from MLS, is a critical part of our player pathway. Um, <clears throat> you will hopefully always have players who are able to jump from academy level into first team. Um, and I think we do such a good job at the academy level that we should never lose sight of that, that you know you are able to produce players from your academy who can go into a first team environment and thrive uh, quickly. Um, but that's not common. That's not the common pathway. Most young players need an environment of training, an environment of games um, to help get them ready for a first team environment so they can be more ready for a first team coach who rightfully is worried about winning the next game and, and performing um, to be able to. Another interesting blend. You know, you, you talked about you and the contract negotiations and the things like that. But for the coach, it's 
you want the younger the club wants the younger players to get that experience. But yeah. like you said, it's so how, that's and, a that's a difficult choice. It, it is, but it's a it's a job that Ronnie masters. Ronnie has has managed masterfully um, in terms of, and it's something that he's really passionate about, which is important because um, it is always easier to pick the more experienced player uh, for moments. Um, but Ronnie wants to work with young players, and so my job is to try to make sure that our academy is producing talent that can help our first team. And the lower division league is a critical piece of that pathway um, so it's impossible to say which players will be involved in it but we're really excited that we're going to be part of it and I think it will make a massive difference to us in, in our uh, player development philosophy and getting players ready to play in our first team and you know how we comprise that roster um, we've got a group of very talented former academy players who are in college um, we've got a group of very talented academy players who are playing at U15, U17 level. Right. So you're going to so, push you know, them into the uh, you can, older group you if can, you want, you right? You can now start to plan players' progressions and give yeah. them the challenges that they need to continue their development. And that's something that we're really excited about. But how about the first team players that aren't getting minutes? Do you envision an opportunity for them there? Or are you going to be more focused on the 15, 17, 18? I, I think it's a mixture of both. I think the key part behind the league being successful in my opinion is that it is a development focused environment and so what I don't think anybody wants it to be is a reserve league where the MLS teams are playing players at 27 to 31 uh, because they need minutes for the first team Ronnie understands of course that's part of it we would like they, they do yeah but the priority has to be for us on using it to help develop our talents, whether they're academy, whether they're first team signed players that need some minutes and are not getting them at first team. Trying to balance that out will be a new job for us next year um, as we go into it. Obviously, lots of clubs around MLS being in USL have got experience, so we can lean on some of some of my colleagues who have been through this process um, to try and manage it, uh, which has been really helpful for us. But it's a part that we're really excited about and I believe is absolutely crucial for us. And um, they'll be training across the street at, at World Class. Is that what, what you envision at the beginning anyway, the, uh, the reserve team? I know they've been there. I know they've played some friendlies. I just wondered if that's their permanent site right now. Uh, permanent site, I would say TBD. Um, I think we're working through logistics and facilities okay. issues that, we're, that we've got. That's just the reality of where, where we are in, in the training environment. But... We're excited. We'll, they'll have a, a, a fantastic environment to train with great staff um, that will really provide a, a brilliant environment for them. Um, and we're excited. I know the staff has not been officially announced, but I've heard that Maxime Cheneau is uh, getting his badges and maybe helping out. Is that accurate? Is Maxime's going through his going through his badges, um, and as part of that, uh, needed to work with work with some professional teams or some some development teams during that so um maxime's still a player and i think wants to be focused on being a player right now so um you know he was he, we, we were glad to help him go through um go through the work that he needed to do to to get his badges and, and encouraging any players that we can to, to go into coaching is a is a is a really great thing from our conversation the morning of the big moment at new england that's new york city fc sporting director david lee this is glenn crooks on frame